0: Welcome to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery Podcast, where every two weeks we explore all the aspects of the weight loss surgery journey. We'll hear from a range of experts, including bariatric surgeons, psychologists, patients, and dietitians, sharing up-to-date, informative advice to help fast-track your long-term weight loss success. Welcome back to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery podcast. My name's Jackie Lewis. I'm the clinical nutritionist for BN Multi. Today's episode, I've got special guest with me Marilyn Clark, another contender from the US. So I'm pretty excited about our, you know, new breaking out into the US and finding also just the connections with story and experience and and also recommendations in other countries as far as weight loss surgery goes. Marilyn is a certified nutrition and lifestyle coach. She's a radical self-care advocate and a certified personal trainer and bariatric patient. She's a self-proclaimed nutrition nerd, which is probably why we get along quite well. She works well with primarily post-bariatric surgical patients on developing healthy lifestyle habits required for weight management following weight loss surgery. And I think we're I'm enjoying this connection between actual lived experience with bariatric surgery and people who've taken that into their professional life and are helping others who are in the same situation. Because I think that holds a huge key to understanding one another, but also the research on how important connection and rapport are with our helping team um, and our support network as well. So what does they say is creates that long-term relationship and also improves long-term results. Marilyn also has a certificate in integrative nutrition health coaching, emotional eating psychology Hormone health and gut health from the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She's also a sports and exercise nutrition specialist, and her personal training certification is through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. So I think
1: your skill sets far and wide. And welcome to the show. Thank you very much. I appreciate you having me here. Happy to be the the next breakout from the US. <laughs>
0: It's lovely to have that crossover. So I appreciate your time. It's evening over where you are and it's just mid-afternoon where we are. We'll get started just from like always the opening question is generally what led you to having weight loss surgery in the beginning. Uh, Tell me a little bit about that.
1: Okay. Um, my story is not unlike a lot of other people where um, I struggled with obesity most of my childhood as well as my adult life. And, you know, I was, I, I'm really good at nutrition. I know what to do, but just doing it and maintaining it was always a struggle for me. I had done a number of different programs for a, a medical supervised medical weight loss in the past. And I got to this point where it's like I could lose and then I would gain back more. I would lose, gain back more, but I could never really get past anything. And it was very, very hard for me to maintain, despite eating very low calorie diet, I would think I was eating like 700, 800 calories a day, which I'm sure that did something to my metabolism right there. But running uh, half marathons, you know, it was very, you know, fitness oriented, you know, at that point. And I just was not having any, any results. And one of the doctors said, well, we're out of options for you. So we're going to refer you for bariatric surgery. Mm-hmm. And that was the first time I ever thought that you know, I was like, oh no, has it gotten to that point? It's that bad. And I. I was horrified and embarrassed and I struggled with the decision, but I reached out to people that I knew and I was surprised to find out that more people than I expected had had surgery. And so I was able to get some information just from people who had been through the experience, but I did a lot of research mm-hmm. and I, I, went to a couple different orientations with different surgeons. But when I went to the one for the, the woman who performed my surgery, the thing that stuck out in my head was that she said, "It's not your fault," and talked mm-hmm. about obesity obesity as a disease. And that was the first time that I had really heard that from someone in the medical field. And I knew right then that that was that was for me. Um, so this was in two thousand sixteen. So it's been a little over five years, yeah. if I'm doing math correctly. Yeah, that's amazing. And that's I love
0: that because we are starting to really talk about obesity as a chronic disease and yes the surgery helps to change that the metabolic I love the way the surgery interferes with the metabolism as well and we are addressing those um, you know endocrinological changes but also understanding that over the long term there may be the need for further interventions as far as managing obesity goes so to hear that is um, quite a positive and I can see why you were drawn towards that rather than you know a lot of people talking about going to the the doctor and they're like, we'll just move more and eat less. And clearly
1: you explored
0: that. And it's, yeah. That that
1: came from, from my endocrinologist move more, eat less. Yeah. Mm. That's helpful. Super helpful. And uh, honestly, I was going to have the um, sleeve surgery. And when she talked to me about, I had a, a ruin Y gastric bypass. She talked about that being more powerful metabolically. And I thought just because of, I have other conditions that are going on that kind of challenge my metabolism. And so um, that I thought that would be the right path for me. And I'm so happy that I did it. That's brilliant. And your results so far, how much weight have you lost to date? I think total from my highest weight, it's 95 pounds. I got down about 10 pounds lower than I am right now. And I had a bit of regain, which is why I'm interested in regain. And I know we'll talk about that, yeah. but, um, but I've been able to maintain it, which is something I've never been able to do. And when my jeans fit me from season to season to season, and even during the COVID times, yeah. um, I know that. I'm successful. So that's, yeah. that's how I measure my success.
0: Jeans are an extraordinarily good, you know, gauge, aren't they, of what's going on? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> you put so. them on and it's like, I don't like those at the moment. Yeah. We know there's something happening, but that's also, um, yeah, we will explore regain later on as far as how you deal with that with clients and that sort of thing. What are the most important lessons you've learned along the way so far?
1: I think that the biggest thing, and this is the thing that I like to impart upon my clients is habits are everything. Mindset is everything and gratitude is everything. And one of the things when I was researching, there was not a lot of information. Um, It was before I had discovered some podcasts and I was looking on Facebook, I was looking on, you know, Dr. Google and, you know, everywhere else for information. And I kind of put together my own little structured way of making changes in my mindset. And a lot of that was rooted in gratitude. I feel like before my surgery, I I blamed everyone and everything else for everything that was going on in my life. I had a very stressful job. I slept maybe four to five hours a day. That was it. And I just, I didn't take care of myself at all. I was taking care of other people constantly, whether it was at work or at home, I was caring for an aging parent. And when you're doing that, you're, I was just not mindful about anything in my life, about exercise, about sleep, about what I was putting in my mouth. I mean, there was like six months, it was a six month period when my dad's health was really on the decline, but I gained 40 pounds in that amount of time and it was just like i don't even know how it happened it just kind of happened and that was kind of the, the time leading up to to my surgery and so all, all of those things that i put together i i started looking at it and it's like once i had my surgery and i realized the things that i needed for success were routine habits consistency doing things progressively better all the time learning as you go allowing yourself to make mistakes those are the things that i kind of had to learn for myself and my surgeon is, she's such a great surgeon. She actually teaches her own nutrition classes to her patients. Um, so she's very knowledgeable about what we need and how nutrients are absorbed and, and all of that. She's she's great. But that's what really sparked my interest in becoming a health coach. And when I started looking at different programs, I started looking at um, health coaching from the whole person perspective. So in, in precision nutrition, they call that deep health. And, you know, just really looking at environment, looking at mindset, looking at, you know, your social connections, support systems, uh, sleep, dress management, all of those things really play such a huge role in weight management, but also to success following weight loss. So
0: multifactorial. And we talk about that. I always say like, you know, the weight loss surgery is we we end up obese for a hundred different reasons and we use, we help one, one of those. So we have 99 other things that we need to deal with after surgery. I don't know if we count them as 99, but you can see how this holistic and it comes up time and time again is like, you know, I do the surgery and I thought I'd just eat differently, but there's all this other stuff that we need to sort of try and unpack as time goes on and I think the more and more we can promote awareness of that the better which is a lot of what the episodes are about so it's um it's a lovely combination you know is that what led you down the path of you know the health and I know that you haven't always been an exercising junkie you're 55 and you look fantastic I'll just add that in um so just to frame that but it's only been in the last five years really that you've expressed that interest is that correct
1: Yeah, as far as fitness goes, I mean, I I dabbled in the way that I was a member of five different gyms at one time that I never went to any of them. Um, I, you know, I I was running, I was doing different things that weren't necessarily the best things for my body. Yeah. Um, I started exploring yoga after surgery and sort of that like mind calming of the mind combined with movement was super helpful for me. But I had really bad damage in my knees from years of running at 200 plus pounds. Yeah. Um, And so in 2018, I think it was, I decided, all right, I need to get something done about this, I'm going to go to this gym and I'm going to find myself a trainer. And I did. I went in and I found a trainer, and he got me through a knee surgery. He rehabbed me from that. I fell absolutely in love with fitness, um, and I just I trained for three years with him, and now he's my business partner, and we own two gyms ah, together. There you go. So who, who would have seen you? Yeah, not, not exactly. me at all. <laughs> but when COVID happened, I had been doing mostly the nutrition um, coaching part of our business, and when COVID happened, I said, you know what? I think I'm going to get my personal trainer certification. And so our gym was closed down. Like I know in Australia, the same things happened there. Our gym was closed down in the middle of March of 2020. And I started my program the day after we were shut down. And I got my certificate in May and we were able to open up in June. And so I started with my first clients in June, some of which were over Zoom.
0: The most productive COVID lockdown ever, I think. Exactly. (laughs) I know I wasn't studying. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. And it's so interesting, you know, we're just gathering a bunch of our people from our community who are sharing their stories for a whole other kind of being healthy collection that we're putting together. And they've all shared their, you know, before and after shots and their story. And just to see like this, like what people are doing and the opportunities that have opened up for them since they've had the surgery. But they also seem to the ones who've been reaching out also for those extra supports and different you know, learnings as well. So it's um it's really interesting to me to see. Firstly, what stuck out was that most of those people who are sharing their stories are all in helping professions. They're all, um, you know, working for not-for-profits or they're helping the underprivileged or, you know, nurses and people who do shift work and that sort of thing. And that really stuck out that it's a real, you know, those people who are always helping others and putting other people first. And after surgery, it's a real time where we have to wake up to putting you first, excuse me.
1: And that's hard. Yeah, that's been the most interesting thing for me because it took me a very long time to learn to put myself first. Hmm. And now I'm in the business of teaching that to other people, (laughs) but I still have to balance putting myself first. So it's kind of an interesting thing to be, you know, basically living in a gym and I have to make time for my workout. Exactly.
0: I've been there. Exactly. And it's, uh, you know, do I want to spend another hour in the same gym doing the same thing or do I want to go home? So it's coaching yourself every day, isn't it? Absolutely. And so for you and your so your clients now, are they predominantly weight loss surgery patients that you're seeing in the gym?
1: In the gym, no. Um, in the gym, it's just, we're, we're actually a women's gym. Yeah. So weight loss is a really big piece of the puzzle and we have a lot of older women. The The gym has been a, a women's gym for 30 years and right. we just bought it in September of 2020. So we're fairly, you know, the new kids on the block. But um, the needs of the community are not, you know... Different than anywhere else is uh, obesity is a huge problem in the community. Um, type two diabetes is a huge problem in the community. So I do uh, kind of working with people on weight loss, on um, hormone balance, on blood sugar balance, um, as well as movement, because all of that stuff is so interconnected. And managing chronic conditions like that really requires looking at every aspect of people's lives. So um, some people are just my personal training clients, and I have some that are just nutrition clients, but I do. I have my um, health coaching practice really started honing in on the bariatric community specifically regarding regain. Mm. Um, so after I had a government job and I retired from that um, before we opened the gyms, but I really wanted to focus on that because it was something that um, I struggled with after my surgery because it's you know it's a lot of work and it's very easy for old habits to slip back and you have to be constant constantly vigilant about your own habits. And I did a little bit of research, you know, sort of Twitter research, asking to speak to some folks that have had surgery and asked what their biggest fears were, you know, mm. what was their biggest concern? And Regain was the biggest one of them. And these most of these are from people who had just had surgery and they were just, you know, afraid that what's going to happen if I gain all of my weight back? Because we've all heard, you know, everyone has a friend that said, oh, well, my friend had that surgery and they gained everything. And that's, that's what you hear as a patient a lot, especially when you start opening up and telling your story to people. But it's it, it was something that I thought it would be important to address. And I knew just from a business standpoint that since it's something that I had dealt with, that it would be relatable um, yeah. Yeah. for uh, prospective problem clients. Problem to solve.
0: Absolutely. And so, yes, there's an expected level of regain once you go through the rapid weight loss stage. There is a little bit that will come back on as you kind of find that steady state, really, that new set point, I suppose. That must be, and that's what's scaring people, I think, is that they get to where they finally wanted to be, or even sometimes a little bit further than that. But to mentally watch things start to
1: go in the other direction, how was that for you? It was really scary. And a lot of it was um, my fear of other people's perceptions of me, because I didn't want to be that person that gained all their weight back. I do, it just was not gonna happen. And I had been through so much at that point. Um, and made a lot of sacrifices in my life, and I just I got to get a hold of it. But it, it was eye opening for me to see other people and kind of like learn from other people and their experiences. For me, actually, kind of focusing on that area was the thing that helped me like rein it in for myself too. <laughs> yeah, because it's you know it's not it's not really science in a lot of ways. It's just basic things. It's just putting one step in place at a time and following those steps. And it's people overcomplicate things, and I think um, we talked about this a little bit before. We tried so many things over the course of our lives and we knew that we would fail. It was an expected outcome. So... I'm sure every patient who had surgery got to like their third month when they hit that stall that everyone hits and said, that's it. This surgery will not work for me. And I was there. I I was sure it wasn't going to work for me. And then six months later, I hit my goal weight. And, you know, how did that happen? But um, I just think that so much conditioning has happened over our lives. And for me, it was, you know, close to 50 years of conditioning like that, where I had struggled with this, that I kind of had to change my thinking that when when people say this struggle is real, drives me crazy. Because if you put that out there in the universe, that it's a struggle, it will be a struggle. Yeah. And so flipping that around and like focusing more on positivity and looking back to how far i had come and to look at these are all the things that I have gained, not weight loss, you know, yes. my life, my mobility, um, a whole new career, you know, just just being able to move. I mean, just the fact that I, I, I'm I knocking on wood right now. I have not even had a cold since I had my surgery. I mean, it's incredible what it's done for my health, my energy levels, everything. So it, it's really important for me to remember those feelings every time that I put something in my mouth, honestly. I it's and I, I try to stay connected to that.
0: That's a good point. Isn't it? And do you? How do you deal with that if you're helping a bariatric patient who has the same fears? Is there a process you take them through to help them keep that front of mind, or is it individual, or is it you know um, similar for everybody? Do you think
1: it's so individual? I mean, so many people's um, habits are deeply rooted in different things that have happened, past experiences, and so a lot of what I do with them, you know, where, where some steps are the same. You know, the, the recommendations for nutrition and vitamins and All those things are the same for everyone, um, generally speaking, but um, everyone just comes from a different background. People have, there are different things that are holding them back, you know? So it's like, I try to work with them to identify a, why did they have the surgery? Like what, what are their goals and what led them to that place and really digging into that so that people can stay connected to that. And think about that, like their why. I talk about that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, Think about that all the time, you know, have that top of mind so that when they're, when they are struggling and struggles do happen, um, they can look back at that and say, I did this so that I could be a healthy example for my children. Or Mm -hmm. I did this so that I can, one of my clients um, says uh, she is seeking a century, which to her means she's losing a hundred pounds so she can dance when she's a hundred, which I love that. I love that. Um, So everyone kind of has their different motivation. And so for me, um, I just listen. It's a lot of it is about listening and try to help people come up with their own solutions. Because at the end of the day, I just ask questions and everyone knows what they need to do, but they don't know that they need, that they don't know that they know it until you ask the right questions and you see the light bulbs go off.
0: And I think that's a skill. And that's the coaching. Like I've had a few coaches on now, and it's really interesting for me to hear their questioning and how it it's those aha moments of them just, just slowly and gently unpacking. Why is that? What do you think that is? And and getting the client to just kind of introspect on that and then go, ah, there it is. Because you're right, food is so psychological and it starts from very early on when, you know, there's family beliefs around food and there's reward systems and there's, you know, some, you know, the people who say I eat when I'm sad and then I eat when I'm happy. It's like it's just it depends on the family. And then it comes into the genetics as well. And and we take that right through. So it's lovely to hear that it doesn't really matter what age we are. Like you're saying, you've got 50 years of all of this backstory to look through, but it's not impossible. It's just willingness, I think. And just that continual looking and, ah, I see what you're doing there. Or yeah, I can feel myself, different habits are slipping back in again. And what is my, you know, what do I do? When you were in that period of, it's almost that necessary regain. How is that? Like, is it like I need to stop that regain or how long, like it's an understanding that there is some, but it's I can see that it's like, well, how long do I let this go before it is something that's out of hand? How, do, how would you manage that kind of scenario?
1: The first thing that I, I, when I'm working with clients and it's the same thing that I did for myself is stay connected to your surgical program mm. because sometimes things are medical. Sometimes things are, you know, you need a little bit of extra psychological help. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, it's, it's a lot of different reasons, or sometimes you're just not doing the right thing for your body. And so that was one of the things that really helped me when I started to see those numbers going back up. I mean at a weight now that I had never been in my adult life but when I started to see there's like those numbers that sort of it's where the scale becomes your enemy and you want to smash yeah. it um <laughs> I reached out for help you know and it's like I had to I had to scale some things back but you know I was I'm such a rule follower and I was so strict you know yeah. when you had no hunger and then when you start like working out and lifting heavy weights and doing all that stuff your hunger comes back you know that it doesn't stay gone forever so um I just had to look at some strategies for myself what worked with for my body, for my goals as well, and just yeah. kind of rein some things in. And I think one of the biggest issues, and and I hear this a lot from people, is the biggest habit that slips back is grazing, and people don't realize that they're doing it. But these little things start to add up after time. If you're not completely um, in the moment when you're eating, yeah. you can eat way more than you think you can. And and you know, I still have a lot of restriction in my pouch. But you know, if I wait a half an hour, I can eat another meal, you know, that's it's like, right. but I don't need to. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's, people it's, talk about that
0: from a restriction point of view. They're like, I can eat, you know, two cups. And it's like, we know you can, but yeah. the recommendation mm-hmm. is one. So right. don't eat what you can eat, what you should, and, you know, be aware of spacing those meals out. And you're right. It's the grazing that's first and the carbs. And they say about 12 months in is when those habits really start to flip and come back. So it's like, see, I see you and what am I going to do about you? (laughs) But majority of the time when we have, you know, patients call who are slipping, they would have flipped their diet to more carbohydrate, which promotes that hunger, not satisfied, snacking. Alcohol will do it as well. Real appetite stimulant, which also dysregulates blood glucose, but it'll make you hungry for the next couple of days if you're not careful. (laughs) So it's looking at, you know, what did you do yesterday? What did you eat? And where has that led you the day after or even two meals later? Like a carb-based breakfast will make you really, the afternoon can just blow out into food for the rest of the day. And it can be simply stopped by just including a little bit of protein, not a little bit, 20 grams, um, and some fat at breakfast. And then you're right for the day, your actual understanding of food is totally different. So it's those, and it's not, a large thing it's just when we get busy and when we we go back into habit of you know this is what i've always done but it's um it's a different you know it needs to be that front of mind the whole time and so exercise comes in as part of a big part of your life now how much of a part do you think it plays in long-term result? <laughs>
1: Um, it's that's an interesting question because from a from a scientific standpoint, I don't know because I don't believe that exercise really changes anything on the scale. For yes. me personally, like I can't go and you know work out for two hours and then be able to eat something extra. I can't, mm. it just doesn't work that way. So I look at exercise personally as about physical activity and fitness, whereas my nutrition is what I have to do for weight management. Yeah. But exercise is a huge piece of my stress management component. Yeah. Um but it's also changed my body a lot. Um you know, I I may be at a higher weight than I was at my lowest weight, but I'm smaller than I yes. was because I've built a lot more muscle, which, you know, at my age is a lot harder to do. Yeah. And that really requires very specific nutrition. And it so does. like you were saying, the protein and the fat is going to be the thing that keeps you satisfied, but also Keep you fuel building. Too. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: after thirty-five, I have read. Um, We start to lose about 500 grams of muscle every year. doesn't matter. That's just what happens. So after 35, when you're exercising and trying to build, and the reason we're talking about building is not like bodybuilding or making ourselves into, you know, a Hulk. It's more about metabolic activity. And the more muscle you have, it's like putting a larger engine in a car that's sitting at the traffic lights. It burns more energy. So it helps you to maintain weight. But it's looking at how that all plays out as well and how do we implement this how do we when we know we're losing 500 grams of muscle what do we need to do to go into deficit and into you know into a positive into a growth state and it's food and it's the stressors that we put on the body as far as exercise and then how do we eat after exercise and that sort of thing but a lot of it's protein um i always say we're not made out of carbs we're made out of protein um and (laughs) that where that comes in but also exercise helps with our muscle tissue it helps to reduce insulin resistance and helps us to be more insulin sensitive so it's not like we're locking in fat anymore when we're insulin resistant it's like there's this chemical lock there that there's a lot of insulin on the scene and when there's insulin in the bloodstream fat loss just can't take place it's just like if you've got that going on, you can't have that. And that's that's the science of it. Um, so it's those things like protein and low GI foods that reduce your glycemic load and help you to um, realise fat loss. The other thing, exercise gives you more of these transporters as well. They're called Glut four, you don't need to know that, but that helps with. Um, you can deal with more insulin on the scene and glucose, and it's okay. It's like this; it's um, in and out of the gates quite easily, and it also helps with <laughs> weight maintenance and that sort of stuff. But in like overall, I reckon about seventy percent of your results are from food. They always say you can't ex, you can't exercise a bad diet, or you can't outrun no. a bad diet. It's the yeah. truth.
1: <laughs> it is totally true, and yeah. and honestly, I will tell you that. Um, supplements have made a world of difference for me. And I know every, everyone's program is different, but um, I still do protein shakes because yeah. I know that they help fuel me properly. And I have to be careful about what kinds of protein I eat and make, making sure that they're very dense forms of protein so mm-hmm. that I feel satisfied. Um, so that's for me. Um, I know it's a little bit different for, for everyone else, but that's something that I work with people and just making sure that there's like that satisfaction yeah. um, perspective and food as well.
0: Absolutely. And overall, what advice would you provide to someone who's considering this radical surgery intervention?
1: Um, you know, it's like, I can tell people my path, but people need to really look into it for themselves and learn and understand the lifestyle component. Yeah. Um, Because if you do not make those changes, the surgery only does so much. And so I have worked with a couple people that have actually come to me before their surgery, um, just to see like, how do I put these habits in place? And that. That's the biggest recommendation I can make is before your surgery start living if you've had the surgery or like really getting into those habits early on and then you know for me it was such a a mindset transformation I had to really shut out I had to shut out a lot of negativity in my life I say toxic food and toxic people had to go and I just I had to make some sacrifices to prioritize myself and then really think about um, how did I get to where I was to begin with and how do I prevent my from going back there, so it's almost like a um, working backwards, reverse engineering the process mm. um, for myself. So, so again, that's, its different for everybody. But I have had a couple clients who have had surgery that you know, younger people, their parents made them get the surgery, and they went, they had their surgery, they were given no aftercare instructions, no nutritional guidelines. Have never taken vitamins post-surgery, and I do not understand how that's possible. But people have to learn that from scratch you know yes. if they're struggling with regain it's like you have to go back and re-educate them and like I said the first thing I do is say hey get connected to your surgical program and it's like oh, oh I don't remember who I had for a surgeon and it's like oh how does that happen yeah
0: I think there is still that there's that places that you go where there's a huge holistic aftercare Um, There's a great pre-op stage where they prepare you and encourage you to see the psychologist and some have them in their clinic. Um, And then there's the others who are just doing the surgery. And, you know, like you said, you found the one for you. I always encourage people to look around. I mean, most people will look around at who the surgeon is. And I see that in our groups. It's like, you know, who's had success from seeing this surgeon? And, yes, you want the surgery to go really well, but you also want, you know, a great support network of who's the best you know that you know of psychologist or who's the best you know of dietitian, and if you get none, make sure you find one. But if you get one that doesn't resonate with you, keep looking. And I always encourage that. It's like this relationship we build is part of that um, long term process and the results that you get at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, I think I think the way the medical system is set up, at least in the United States, when you're dealt with obesity your whole life, you. There is stigma yeah. in the medical field. And, you know, you go to a doctor and you get the, you know, move more, eat less kind of thing, or you get really shamed. Um, there's this fear of going to the doctor asking for help. Or in the getting first support place. Yeah. Or, yeah. So yeah. Um, it's finding that right, the right connection, but also kind of getting over that fear. Mm-hmm. You, have to, you have to be able to reach out for help if you need it, you know?
0: Yeah, and it comes back to that advocate, you know, putting yourself first and being your own advocate. I also read somewhere that patients or people who are struggling with their weight, reaching out for help up to seven years too late or later than they first felt, you know, there was a problem. Some, have, it's been because they've been sent away from the doctor going, just move more and eat less. And others, it's because of the stigma. They just think, God, I'm I'm ashamed of myself. I've let this get so far out of hand. I also have heard that as far as regain goes. I've had um, Prof Talbot from his, one of the top Australian surgeons here. And he was saying the same thing about regain is, Reach out early when it's, you know, four or five kilograms of regain. Don't be ashamed. It happens. And, but nip it in the bud. Don't come and see me when it's 25 kilograms worth of regain and we've got all this other work to do. So it's that constant reaching out without feeling like you're failing because you're not. And like you said, obesity is a chronic disease and it's something that. We didn't do, um, we didn't get it wrong. We just, you know, it's all this compilation of this big picture. Um, and it's a, it must be very hard. It's like, you know, feeling like you've got a couple of kilos extra to lose and turning back up to the gym, you feel like everybody's looking. But it's, um, you know, up to... Being your best advocate and knowing what you want from your life, and um, and you know, seeing something's changing, and like you said, seeing something's changing and eliminating medical reasons first. Um, my weight gain has stopped. My I'm on a stall. Something's happening, or I'm feeling a particular way that's different. It's like reach out to your medical team first and rule that out, and then kind of work out what else is at work there as well. At some, and it's it's forever. It's this ongoing journey. I can. why they call it the weight loss surgery journey. it's um, ongoing, yeah, constantly just yeah but that doesn't need to be a negative thing because you're looking at all yeah. these amazing gains like all this constant growth and there's not many you know some people go through their lives and they never really have a look at you know what's driving me and who am I and why am I making all these choices and you know but I think the surgery is like a real punctuation mark in that because it makes you look at yourself for the very first time in a lot of cases um yeah. and a lot of people are finding someone they really really love and on that, we were talking about self-love and what you see in the gym and in your you know in your coaching practice and that sort of thing what are you seeing as far as um, the level of love people have for themselves
1: that is such a great question um, it, it is it, it's astonishing to me how many people are so concerned about everyone looking at them at the gym and how self-conscious they are and how they'll look at someone else and they'll say look at that girl over there on the corner I wish I could come in and just do that thing that she's doing and not think about what anyone else is thinking and I was like don't you think that she's having the same thoughts right now um and you know I've, maybe as women you know we're like more self-conscious about it and it's great because it's a women's gym so they don't have to have like the guys looking at them and and whatnot but um yeah building that self-confidence and actually teaching people that nobody is looking at them they're all focused on their own goals gets them to focus on themselves but it, it's really hard that I think the mental piece of it when you lose weight like, like I still sometimes don't see myself as a smaller person, and yeah, I, I, have that all the re- time. I have to re—I have to reinforce that in my head all the time. Like sometimes I'm like, I'm not strong enough, I'm not small enough, I'm not, you know, this or that, and it's—I have to flip it around and remember, you know, I, I've come such a long way, and I'm way. I think everyone is stronger than they think they are. Yeah. Um. And so when I work with people, when you talk about the whole. Um, total body or total health picture, it's strengthened mind, it's strengthened body, it's strengthened, you know, a lot of different respects and getting people to look inward and see their strengths and, you know, embrace those rather than looking at their weaknesses. It's just kind of flipping things around because there's always a way to take a negative and flip it to the positive.
0: Yeah, there is, isn't there? I think, and I think when you have been walking around and you've been, you know, um, part of this stigma, you feel like everywhere you go if you're eating something it's you know you shouldn't be eating or if you're you know worrying about feeding into a chair in a restaurant that sort of all that headspace that being overweight takes up to flip yep. it around and you know and, and find the positive the other thing is yeah then you're walking around in a smaller body and still feeling like a person who's who's still part of that stigma so it's like the surgery is amazing but like my head needs to catch up with it as well um it's Absolutely. you know it is such a mind game as well. It's um, and it's a process, which is fantastic. But and then in the gym, exactly right. I was um, too old for it now. Well, I shouldn't say that. I used to be a personal trainer, so I know what to do in the gym. I think by this stage, <laughs> did it for years. But the same thing. I can walk in, and I still feel clumsy or. Obvious, or you know, and and I can't imagine that someone who's on the weight loss surgery journey turns up to the gym and goes, "Let's rock this place!" Like it's a hard yeah. place to turn up. Um, yeah. And then encouraging yeah. you know other options. It doesn't have to be the gym. It could be finding movement that suits you. Um, yeah. And sometimes the gym is just not the place. Um, and some, some...
1: sometimes I work with I work clients like um, my you know from all over the country, and I'm not necessarily training them, and it's like find some movement that you love, because that's going to be the thing that you'll do consistently. So, I mean, have a dance party in your kitchen, you're going to burn calories, you're going to move, you're going to work all the muscles you need to move. Mm. Sometimes that's just enough for people. Yeah, that's exactly right. And that's interesting is
0: to see what people pick up that like when they build their confidence and they're feeling better about themselves, they either revisit things they did in their childhood that they really enjoyed. um, And it is looking at those things. I'll often say, what did you do when you were a kid and you had all that freedom and you didn't care what anyone else was thinking? What were those things that you really loved? Um, And let's like bring those parts back in so that I think it also speaks to the child inside us who's been probably locked in a box for a really long time time let her out and have some fun and and a lot of that healing work takes place when you honor that little girl or boy who you know had all this stuff and bring them up and And nurture and look after them. It's yeah. We talk about that a bit, like reparenting and that sort of thing. Is giving back to yourself. You know what you would give to your best friend, or what would you say to a friend who was who'd lost fifty kilos? What would you say? Would you be beating them up, or would you be going well done you? So it's you know it's that inner dialogue is picking that up and changing it.
1: And that's been the biggest thing for me in in owning gyms because I see women come in there all the time, different ages, different sizes, everything, and creating a safe space there where no one is being judged by their body at all and mm-hmm. no one's being judged by their level of mobility no one's being judged everyone starts somewhere and so when you're if you're negative about yourself yeah. because of where you are right now you have to think about all the other people in the other room that would kill to be where you are you know and it's it's just yeah. re- really um like mentally transformational just from an observing standpoint and i i will be people's cheerleaders i if i see someone coming into the gym for for a whole week in a row. I let them know, I see them, you know, it's like people are working really hard yeah, and yeah. you know, they're struggling, but they're there every day doing their thing. And that's really what counts is that consistency.
0: And that recognition, I think, you know, I think, and I say that too, about this honeymoon period, we call the first year where weight's dropping off. We're not hungry. seems like it's all going to go really well. But the other thing we're getting in that first year often is that external input, like, gee, look at you, you've lost some weight or, gee, you're looking well, or is that a new dress because, you know, you've got a new wardrobe because everything else is hanging off you. So it's always that external validation that we get in that early stage, which also is a real motivator. And I think once that does start to slow down, that's when also we can go, ah, um, that's, you know, I've reached my peak here and that's when habits can start to slip back in again. And that's also a time to look at that intrinsic motivation. Why did I do this? It's about me. What did I, why did I do this for me? Why is it, you know, I'm doing this for my family. And like you said before, it's like keeping your, your own why at the forefront. Um, and it's lovely that people, you can walk down the street and people comment. I, I hear so many people who are just not recognized. Like that just blows them away that they are totally a foreign person to, you know, people they've known for quite a few years. And that that must be a moment, you know, when you turn up somewhere and they're like, who's this woman? And it's like, it's me.
1: <laughs> have yeah. you had that happen? I did have that happen a lot when I, first, when I first lost weight. But I think the thing that's most interesting now is that when I tell people my story mm. and they don't believe me... And- and I show them my picture from before. They're like, no way, that's Unimagine. not you, which is, that's kind of like a really good reinforcement that I'm doing yeah. something right. So yeah, that's <laughs> what good want to do, which is good, but it's, it's, um it's still a trip, you know, just to think that just five years ago, you know, I was in this completely, totally different body, totally different mindset. Um, and how much has changed. And that's why when I when I go on social media and I see Transformation Tuesday, it's a little triggering because it's not just about a before and after picture because no, there is no right. after picture. It's yeah. like a, it is a journey and it keeps going. and
0: Correct. Um, it's an ongoing, so, so. isn't it? Yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. yeah, I think. And I think that's where you go is it's not about the before and after picture or the number on the scales. And it, it is how we were brought up is what do you weigh? What do you weigh? What do you weigh? Do you weigh? And is it a good day because I weigh this, or is it a bad day? Because, you know, I don't, but looking at the wins and the, you know, sideline, what do they call them? Non-sleeve victories, like non-scale victories. Non-scale victories, yeah. Things that are happening that, you know, like a new job, or I've got the confidence to take on a new sport, or I've, you know, I walk the dog six times a week instead of two, because I can't be bothered. All those sorts of things that it's really that taking stock and looking like, it's like we say, don't look back, keep looking forward. But if you don't look back, you can't see how far you've come. Um, So looking back with a positive, you know, how far have I come is, you know, it's pretty amazing. So I'm aware of the time and I could talk about, I think it's just one of those areas where we could talk about it forever. Tell us um, how we find you on social media and websites and that sort of stuff.
1: Okay. I am off the plate MC. is my website and uh twitter off the plate mc instagram facebook all of those um i've got um a little healthy habits boot camp that you can find off of my facebook page and so a lot of uh, weight loss surgery patients in there um that's where a lot of my content has been really focused in that area over the last last couple years now
0: that's great we'll share that link in the if you access the australian weight loss surgery podcast.com is where we house all the show notes for all of our episodes. And I need to add this into each episode because I always talk about the show notes and nobody knows where they are. So if you would like to reach out to Marilyn and follow her or download the um, the guides that she's offering, you can head to the Australian Weight Loss Surgery podcast site and we'll have it all housed there. Or you can go to Off The Plate MC and find her. And if you have a look at her photos for a woman of her 55 years she looks fabulous and um, yeah she's a real you know uh, model patient who's come a long way so it's a, it's incredible and so thank you do you have any last
1: thoughts you'd like to share? No I'm so excited to be able to make this little appearance here and I'm going international um, but it's it's just very cool how um, we're so the world is very small in a lot of yeah. ways and that we're all kind of experiencing a lot of the same things and it's it's great to like share with other people
0: yeah that's exactly right and i love that about how and it's interesting when we spoke off air just how everything's the same like the recommendations are the same The process is pretty much the same your vitamins i don't know about those in the states the ones over here are fantastic but i believe we might be converting you so that's nice to know as well, we'll yeah, get an update on I'll, that later
1: <laughs> yes i'll be doing all of my samples
0: yeah that's good excellent well thank you so much for your time marilyn clark it's been a pleasure absolutely Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Yeah, lovely. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And just before you go, we would love to hear your feedback. So please give us a rating and review. For other interesting topics of conversation and inspiration, come and drop into our Facebook community at BN Bariatric. If you've enjoyed our podcast, we hope you will share on your Facebook or Instagram and hit subscribe so you'll never miss an episode.